as I mentioned, uh, t- took a little bit of time away. It's, it's hard to believe that uh, it's been over a year since the first time that I preached at North Point. It was actually the first Sunday in October of last year, and it's just it seems impossible that it's been more than a year, and uh, time has just gone so quickly. Uh, when I came, you know, the, the, the game plan was that I was here for a, a very specific uh, job and role and specific period, and, uh, and I would begin and end, and, and uh, the end would be a successful transition. We were looking for a new lead pastor. We found that in Pastor Rick, and, and we were very intentional about talking about some overlap because we thought that that was wisdom and uh, that that would be good for the church and good for everyone involved, and so we've been intentional about that. And one of the things that I was asking God, was just what you know what what role if any am I supposed to continue at North Point what's next what am I supposed to do and and uh, I was actually the Lord was 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 speaking some things to my heart and I actually listened to the first message in the series Life at the Lake Pastor Rick was talking and I went online and uh, plugged in and, and listened to that first message Purpose at the Lake and he was talking out of Mark chapter one. And you remember the story how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and then they brought everybody from the city and Jesus healed all of them and it was amazing. And then he got up really early in the morning, the next morning, and he was praying, he was seeking God. And, and the disciples came and said, Jesus, what are you doing? Where, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. The party has just gotten started. And Jesus said, it's important for me to leave and, and go to another town. Listen, you know, church planners and ministers, man, when, when it blows up and the power of God shows up, you don't go somewhere else. You milk that for all it's worth. And, and the Lord spoke to that, spoke to me through that and said, John, that's what I'm doing in your life. I've had you in this place and now it's time to go to another place. And, and I had to come to the place where I was willing to submit to that and agree to do that. And, and when I did, it was interesting that two different people contacted me within two or three days of one another saying that our church has lost their pastor. We're going through a time of transition and would you consider coming and helping us? And, and so I just took that as, as confirmation uh, and uh, that, that that's the next step. And, uh, and I just want to say that uh, I appreciate the leadership in this church, the elders uh, that have trusted me enough to come in and to partner with them and with you and to serve here at North Point. It's, it's been an extraordinary privilege. It's been a great joy. And I told Rick, I'm part of the family, so you can't get rid of me. I'm like a college student going away to another campus, but I'll be back and I'll visit. And, uh, and so we're, we're connected at the hip and we're family. And uh, I love you. I appreciate the love that you've shown to me and my family. And uh, so that's the update. Thank you so much. And so, oh, please sit down. Thank you. Please be seated. Please be seated. As as they say, just uh, not no clapping. Just give money, okay? I'm j- I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like Rick said, no second offering coming, okay? But, uh, but I, I'm really excited about this series, and, and I've been blessed as I've been listening, and uh, it's been a great series. I have been blessed in my study and preparation as we talk about power at the lake today. So let's just take a minute and review where we have been. Uh, Rick, as I mentioned, the very first week in September started out with Purpose at the Lake. And uh, these are looking at the life and ministry of Jesus, and I, I love this. Rick said, I, I want to do more than just read about what Jesus did. I really want to, I really want to come to know, and as a congregation, we want to look at Jesus and we want to come to know Him better. 
We want to experience Him personally. And, and, and we want to uh, uh, intertwine with His life and His ministry and really experience Him. And, and uh, so it, it's, I, I think that's exactly what's been happening. Purpose at the lake, compassion at the lake, forgiveness at the lake, legalism at the lake. Uh, Chris Carter talked about obedience at the lake. And then last week Rick was talking about generosity at the lake. And, and man, I want to be more like Jesus. He is generous. And uh, I want to be like him, and I so appreciated Rick's example, uh, one of many that were just so excellent in his uh, message last week where he talked about souls for souls and, and donating shoes to help people that are needy and, and the, the, the single mother with three children that, that was scraping to get by and they agreed as a family to go buy three brand new pairs of shoes. She had three sons, three brand new pairs of shoes and instead of giving the new shoes to her sons and then the sons giving the used shoes, they gave the new shoes because they wanted to bless somebody else. What a, what a beautiful picture of generosity. What a beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus toward us. And that's what I want us to capture today. As we look, if you have your Bibles or your, your smartphones or your tablets, we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, the, the tail end of Mark 1. I'm going to back up and look at that real quick. And then we're going to spend time at the tail end of Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. And we're going to, we're going to read five stories and glean from them this morning regarding the power of God at the lake, demonstrated through the life and ministry of Jesus. And uh, next week we'll talk about stories at the lake, and I'm, I'm excited about that message, and, and uh, so you can look forward to that next week. When I think about power, I think about my sister Michelle. Now, you have to understand, I'm, I'm one of eight children. We grew up in a large uh, uh, family. I have three sisters and four brothers. There's eight of us. My brother Paul's here and my mom is here. And, and uh, we could, we, we'd be the first to tell you, I, I, we could tell stories for years about all the crazy stuff that happened in the Elif household. But my sister Michelle, she was the lead deviant in our family. She was always up to something and just looking at life a little differently and always pranking and wanting to do things so that she came out on the long end of the stick. She was the one that put the raw egg in my dad's coffee that he discovered uh, at the breakfast table. She was the one that put dead flies in my brother Dave's. Uh, I don't remember if it was milk or ice cream or what it was, but they were there for him to discover. She was the one that was jumping on our sister Mary's bed and she broke the slats that supported the you know the box spring and the mattress and so she put it back together so that it was barely holding up so that when Mary got got home and came and sat on her bed Mary would be responsible for breaking the bed and taking the wrap, which is what happened until she came clean a little later. And she was the one, Michelle was the one that was standing there with her big trusting eyes as I was up in the barn window saying, John, jump, I'll catch you. (laughs) And then pulled the Charlie Brown, Lucy step away and I went face first into the asphalt. And she was the one that when I was walking through the living room, we had a built-in bookcase And on one side there was a built-in reading nook with a little lamp with a little chain and you'd pull and the light would come on and you could look at your books and you could read. And and I was going by and she said, John, she said, come here. She said, it's really cool. Do you like to be tickled? And I said, yeah, I love to be tickled. And she said, all you got to do is put your finger, the, the, the little light bulb was missing, all you've got to do is put your finger in there, it, it tickles. 
Yeah, that's my sister Michelle. I personally would not use the adjective tickle to describe the sensation that I experienced when I put my finger in the socket. I would not use the word tickle. It was, I screamed and it was painful. And then when she was done with me, she said, sit down and be quiet because your brother's coming. And, <laughs> and Paul, I don't remember if that was you, but I remember one of the brothers came and he got tickled too. And, and it worked, you know, it worked for me, and it worked for him, and it worked for as many. And, and, and so we're going we're gonna to tie that into the message today and come back to it, because that really is the thrust of what we're going to see in the life and ministry of Jesus, is we're going to see power. And what I want you to see is, I want you, Jesus said this before he left. He said this to his disciples. Uh, on the very last night before he was betrayed, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know what the Father's like, just, just look at me, look at my life, look at how I've conducted myself, look at what I've done. I, I want you to remember that as we look into the life and ministry of Jesus, because you're going to see the heart of God toward you today. I want you to see that in each story that we're going to read. Mark chapter 1 is the first story, and, uh, and hopefully you've got your Bible or your tablet or your smartphone. We're going to look at this. In the, the latter part of the chapter, I've got to get over there, I'm sorry, I'm still in Mark chapter 4 from, from the previous service. But uh, after Jesus tells them that he needs to go to a different town, he runs into a leper. And this leper asks Jesus for a miracle. And I want you to notice the question that he asks Jesus. Because everybody here has asked the same question. Some of you are asking the question this morning. This man was leprous. You know the drill. He was an outcast. His whole life was wrecked because of this disease that was incurable. And he comes to Jesus hopeless. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Did you notice his question? If you're willing. Most of us that are Christ followers, that read the Gospels, even if we're, even if we're not a true Christ follower, many acknowledge that Jesus Christ is powerful. That his miracles were real. Not too many people wrestle, not too many Christ followers in particular wrestle with God, are you able? We know God is able. He created the heavens and the earth. He's a miracle worker. That's what makes him God. We don't wrestle with God, are you able? But we do wrestle with God, are you willing? And that was his burning question. He knew Jesus was able but he was conflicted and he was not sure if Jesus was willing. And I just pause to ask, what is it in your life that you need Jesus to do for you? What in your life is hopeless? We're going to see this theme through every miracle. What are you facing? Or what? maybe it's a loved one of yours or a coworker, or a neighbor that's facing something that's hopeless, that's impossible, and you've honestly wrestled with God, are you willing? I know you're able, but are you willing? Let the answer to that question be forever settled. I'm glad Jesus didn't hesitate. I'm glad He didn't say, you know what, I need to pray about that and seek my Father for the answer. He answered immediately. 
He answered unequivocally. And He answered with power. He said, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly, verse 42, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Whatever it is in your life that you need the touch of God, I want you to know He is willing. That's important that you know that this morning. It's interesting in each, in each uh, example we're going to look at, and, and if you will, uh, bump ahead to Mark chapter 4, because we're going to look at the tail end of Mark chapter 4. Rick uh, got most of the way through the chapter last week. Mark chapter 4 and verse uh, 35. Each of these stories... Each of these examples, all of them were hopeless. A man with leprosy is hopeless outside of a touch from God. Now we're going to read about experienced fishermen, experienced seamen facing a storm and being afraid for their lives because they are going down with a ship. They're dying and they're terrified. That's where we pick up in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Uh, just, as a, just as an aside comment, I, I've always wondered what happened to those other boats. Uh, I don't know, the scripture doesn't say, but I sure would not have want, wanted to be in one of the other boats. Uh, the Bible tells us what happened in the boat that Jesus was in. Verse 37, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping, verse 38, at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind. He said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, there was a great calm, then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He got in their grill a little bit. He expected them to have faith. The disciples, verse 41, were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? People have been asking that question. Ever since Jesus arrived on the scene for 2,000 years, they've been asking, who is that man? Maybe you're here today and you're not convinced of who Jesus is. That's a good question to ask. Who is this man? I can tell you this, he's a 100% man. He became a man. God became a man. He, he, he robed himself in flesh so that he could identify with me and identify with you. So that he could step into our broken, hopeless, sinful situation and do something about it. Who is this man? He's not only man, he's God. And we see this demonstrated through these miracles. One of the purposes of his miracles was to prove his divine identity. And so they're terrified. It's interesting to me, in each of these accounts, there's a question being asked. In Mark chapter 1, the question was, are you willing? I know you're able, are you willing? And Jesus answered that question. Yes, I am willing. Be healed. Here, the disciples are asking the question, don't you care that we're going to drown? And if you're honest, every one of us in this room has asked that same question. At some point or another, God, don't you care? Don't you see? Don't you know? Don't you hear? Why have you been silent? 
Where are you? Don't you care? Every one of us has asked that question. And the disciples, you know, it's interesting to me how they ask, or that, they, that they frame the question this way. It seems like they would have woke him up and said, Jesus, we're drowning, please do something. But they didn't, they didn't, that wasn't the way that they approached Jesus. They woke him up screaming, don't you care? You know what? They walked with Jesus, but they didn't have him figured out. They didn't realize, yes, he cares. They didn't realize that consistently he cared and he would demonstrate divine power on their behalf. They didn't have it figured out yet. And you know what? I have to raise my hand and join the club and say, I don't have it figured out yet. I'm still fully trying to figure out who this man is. But I know this. They asked the question, don't you care? And he answered with an exclamation point, didn't he? He stood up and spoke to the elements. I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ has power. He's unstoppable. He has power over nature. He has power over wind. He has power over water. We're going to see in a few minutes, He's got power over demons. He's got power over sickness. He's got power over disease. He's got power over death. And I'm glad that I'm on His team. That was a great place for an amen, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, so so let's, uh, let's move on. We go into chapter 5 of the book of Mark. And we read in verses 1 through 20 about a man whose life was indescribably jacked up. You talk about life-controlling problems. You know, th- this guy... Uh, Mike was a uh, he was a definite candidate for CR. Okay, he he, he needed <laughs> he needed some help. Okay, he had life controlling problems, and and his story is really it's eerie, it's creepy, and it's amazing. And I'm so glad that the Bible gives the details because you talk about a hopeless situation, you talk about a broken human being. We're going to read about him. Verse 1, they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones." This dude was a mess. He was jacked. And, and he's who meets Jesus as Jesus gets off the boat. How, how would you like that for your uh, uh, early morning meeting? Your early morning breakfast meeting is a man like that. And, and he, the Bible tells us that he, he was running toward Jesus. Verse 6, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. He was demon-possessed. He was controlled by demons. The demons were actually, at this point, speaking through him. And uh, I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't get scared and run the other way. I'm so grateful that Jesus wasn't repulsed by this man. I'm so grateful that Jesus moved toward this man and not away from him to be able to help him. 
Verse 9, Jesus demanded, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion. And then the Bible records this incredible account of multiple demons possessing this man. Jesus drove multiple demons out of the man. They went into a herd of swine, 2,000 pigs, that went crazy, raced down the hill and drowned themselves and committed suicide. Well, you sure can see the fingerprints of the devil. And I'll tell you what, he's, he's, he's out for keeps. He means business. We don't need to be scared of him. Thank God that he's been defeated and rendered powerless through the cross and the power, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad this morning? See, we're talking about power at the lake. Jesus has power. He has power over leprosy. He has power over the elements. He has power over demons. He sets this man free. We read the rest of the story. The, the herdsmen, they, they're flipped out. They, they can't believe what they've seen. They're terrified. They go to the city to tell everybody what just happened. So people come back, and the Bible tells us they were all afraid. Verse 17, can you imagine? They were pleading with Jesus to leave their town. Most of us would clamor to get Jesus to come to our town. They were clamoring to get rid of Him. They were so terrified by the demonstration of God's power. Interesting. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, verse 18, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns called Decapolis of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. What an awesome story. What, a, what an awesome account of the, the, the demonstration of God's power. You see, the leprous man asked the question, are you willing? And Jesus answered, yes. Then in the storm, the disciples asked the question, God, Jesus, don't you care? And he answered, yes, I care. I do, I care. You know what I hear this man asking? Jesus, what do you have to do with me? Am I too far gone? What do you, what do you, I am such a mess. I am such an embarrassment. I am such a social outcast. Because I am so sick and twisted. What would you have to do with me? Do you, do you really, really want me? And Jesus answers that question. And you know what? I, I just know people. That's not because I have some word of knowledge or, or prophetic insight, but there's people that are asking this morning, that are sitting here saying, Jesus, have I gone too far? Am I too ugly? Have, have I, have I, have I, am I just too twisted, too sinful, too base? And Jesus says, absolutely not. The power of Jesus Christ to transform a human heart and alter the course of a human life. Thank you for your, your question. Can you, can you hang, hang tight for just a minute? Oh, you praise the Lord. Well, you go right ahead and praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you had a question. I thought you were, you were going to rebut me. I'll, say, I'll talk to you privately afterwards. You go, ahead, you, you go ahead and just praise the Lord. Because isn't, isn't that the beauty of the gospel? Isn't that the beauty of Jesus Christ? We're, see, we're seeing who He is. And He's a reflection of the Father. And He's good. And He's for us. And he's not repulsed by us. 
He moves toward us. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. He's going to move toward you. Wow. Yeah. He's good. I'll tell you, the more I get to know Him, the more I love Him. The more I love Him. The more I appreciate Him. Wow. So an incredible, incredible account. And we're not done. A day in the life of Jesus. (laughs) Wow. No wonder John said it would take all the books on the planet to record everything he did. Because he was busy. And, and so then now, now he, gets, he gets into the boat and he leaves. And he goes to the other side of the lake. He's like a ping pong crossing the lake. He goes to the other side of the lake and uh, he gets there. And we pick up in verse 21. Jesus gets in the boat, goes to the other side. There's a large crowd, not surprising, there's a large crowd there waiting for him on shore. The leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, alive, arrived and he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet, verse 23, pleaded with him and said, My little daughter's dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. How many parents are here? How many grandparents? I'll tell you what, crawl inside Scripture, crawl inside the story. I'll tell you what, this breaks my heart. I've got a 12-year-old daughter. What would I feel like if she was dying? What would I feel like if things were hopeless? And Jesus says, yes, I'll go. I'll come. And so they start going to Jairus' house. And in the middle of going to his house, we read the next account. And there's this crazy woman with this bleeding condition that she's had for more than a decade. And the Bible tells us her story. In verse 24, Jesus went with them. The people followed, crowding. A woman in the crowd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she'd spent everything she had to pay. She hadn't gotten any better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind Him through the crowd. She touches His robe. She said to herself, If I can just touch His robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. And this blows my mind. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? He didn't know who it was. He didn't even know who it was. Do you know what this woman, the question she was asking? Jesus, do you even know I'm here? Are you even aware? And you know what the crazy thing about this story is? Jesus, in his humanness, didn't know everything. He didn't even know who had touched him. And she got healed. That tells me something. She initiated this miracle. She went after Jesus. She touched him. And she got a miracle. The Bible tells us, in fact, the very next verse, the disciples are astonished. Because they're like, Jesus, are you out of your mind? There's a bunch of people touching you. They were clamoring to get to him because miracle power was flowing out of him and they wanted to touch him. But only one woman got healed. Is that because God's like the lottery and you crank the handle and you're not really sure whether you're going to get a miracle or not? No. The Bible records she went after him with faith. Jesus rebuked the disciples. Are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus, are you willing? I'm willing, be cleansed. Jesus says that to the man now. This woman gets healed. She's restored. She she comes forward trembling. She says, it was me. Notice what he says to her. In verse 34, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
Are you, are you connecting some dots this morning? There's power at the lake. There's power, and it can be accessed, but it's accessed by faith. The power of God is real, just like electricity is running through this room, and if I touch it and tap it, I know it. Brian was telling me he was doing some renovation. He's back in the sound booth. He was doing some renovation on a house, and there were 220 black and white wires that had been clipped and didn't have the wire nuts on them sticking out of the wall, and he was moving something in the kitchen, and he backed right into it. You say, oh, because why? Because you know, if the power's on, that he was aware of it, that he felt it, that he experienced it. The power of God is real, and it's accessed by faith. That's what these stories, among other things, are communicating to us. And so he says, daughter, uh, you're healed. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher any longer. And here's the question. Jesus, is it too late? That's what they were saying. It's too late. She's dead. A, hope, a, a, very, a very hopeless situation is now completely hopeless because she's dead. And here again, what did Jesus say in response to that? I love his answer, verse 36. What he said to Jairus, I say to you this morning. Jesus overheard them. He said to Jairus, don't be afraid Just have faith. What are you facing this morning? Is it some kind of storm? Are you facing some hopeless situation? Is there some life-controlling aspect, a problem in your life, and you can't get a handle on it? And it's, it's bigger than you and it's stronger than you? Are you facing sickness? Are you facing disease? Are you face, what, what are you facing that's hopeless? That's impossible without divine intervention? The message of Jesus is clear. Yes, I'm willing. Yes, I care. No, you haven't gone too far. Yes, I'm willing. Yes, I know. And no, it is not too late for me and my power to bring about a reversal of that situation. That's the message of the gospel to us this morning. And as we uh, wind down and, and really, uh, uh, we've only got a few minutes left. Let me, uh, I wasn't able to get to this in the first service. But let me give you a few principles that, that, that we can see in the life and ministry of Jesus relative to his power. We're talking about power at the lake. Let me give these to you real quick. Worship team, come on back up because we're going to transition and close in just a moment. But here's some principles that I see in these stories. Number one, Jesus can take on anything. Nothing's too difficult for him. Lesson number two, Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same today as he was 2,000 years ago when this stuff was happening and Scripture recorded it. He's the same. He's the same Jesus. He has the same power. He has the same willingness to heal. He's the same deliverer. He's, He's exactly the same, and that's good news. Can you say amen? Yeah, number three, miracle power requires initiative. Every one of these stories, these people were moving toward Jesus. 
They were placing their faith in Jesus. They took initiative. And if you want a miracle, if you want divine intervention, don't sit back in your seat. Take some initiative and seek Jesus Christ. Go after Him and believe Him and trust Him and cry out to Him in prayer. Number four, our lack of faith is the limiter. It's not the size of the problem that's the issue. It's not that some things are too big for God. That's not the issue. Our lack of faith, our lack of determination to go to Him and to believe Him and to trust Him, that is the limiter. Number five, God, Jesus responded not to begging, but to believing. Sometimes we're inclined to to move into a begging mode. Jesus wants us in a believing mode. No problem, principle number six, no problem is too big and no person too far gone. And number seven, power marked the life of Jesus. And I believe it's God's will that power marks our lives. That we help people encounter the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. We're going to close. The band's going to play. Would you stand with me? I don't know how this message applies to you today. Maybe you're facing a storm. Maybe there's a healing need in your body. There's, maybe there's a life-controlling problem and you need Jesus to be involved in your life, to come near, and you need to, the touch of God's power. Here's what I'm going to invite us to do as, this, as the band leads us. All of these people that we read about, they took initiative and they came to Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you as, a, as an outward expression of an inward faith, I'm going to encourage you as they play to slip out. If you have a need and you want Jesus to meet you, I'm going to ask you to slip out and come down to the front. And when the band's done, I'm going to pop back up and we're going to pray together. And we're going to believe Jesus for His power to intervene in our circumstances, in our lives, and in our situations. So the front is open. You respond as you want to. And then we're going to pray in just a moment.